You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert, and award-winning author, Amy Shoja. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today we're talking about forcing pet lovers to be responsible. Now that brings me to my rant of the week. Several months ago, Pet Peeves featured the shows Sex and the Single Pet, parts one and two. And I spoke with Dr. Lila Miller, the Vice President of Veterinary Outreach at the ASPCA, and we agreed, as most listeners do, that sterilization can be an enormously effective tool in the effort to stem the furry tide of pet overpopulation. Now, in part two of that show, Lisa Peterson with the American Kennel Club and Joan Miller with the Cat Fanciers Association discussed the new trend of spay-neuter laws. Now, maybe you're not aware of this. There's a growing number of cities across the country that believe enacting ordinances will legally force pet owners to sterilize their pets, with the ultimate hope being that will resolve pet overpopulation. The idea took root in California, and now it's even in my own backyard in Dallas, which has some new ordinances addressing the issue. But... Can you legislate responsibility? Will such laws put responsible dog and cat breeders out of business? And most importantly of all, do spay-neuter laws actually work? Now, my guest today has a lot to say on the subject and is intimately involved in this issue in his hometown. Steve Dale, a pet expert and certified dog and cat behavior consultant, writes a twice-weekly syndicated newspaper column with Tribune Media Services. He's a contributing editor at USA Weekend and host of two nationally syndicated radio shows, Steve Dale's Pet World and the Pet Minute, as well as Pet Central on WGN Radio in Chicago. So stop whining, and we'll give you something to really hiss about after these messages from our sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick dog boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A-B-O-N-E. Dash to dash P-I-C-K dot com. Pick up something special for your best friend at a bone to pick. A B O N E dash to dash P-I-C-K dot com. Get ten percent off with coupon code PetLife. 
Hey, all you dog stylists, are you on the cutting edge of canine design and shaggy chic? Groomer Has It on Animal Planet is now casting for season two. Groomer Has It is looking for competitive dog stylists with amazing personalities to compete to become Animal Planet's top groomer. $50,000 grand prize for the winner, plus weekly compensation for all contestants during filming. If you have what it takes to be the top groomer, then audition for Groomer Has It today. For more information, contact Catherine at 310-727-3337, extension 71272, or email groomerhasit at gmail.com. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. My featured guest, Steve Dale, has appeared on The Oprah Winfrey Show, National Geographic Explorer, Pets Part of the Family on PBS, the Fox News Channel, many Animal Planet shows, and too much more to mention here. Now, he's been a Pet Peeves guest before when he talked about breed bands and dog bites. Those are two other hot-button issues for pet lovers. Today, we're discussing the good... The bad and the ugly about spay-neuter ordinances. First, in some general terms, and then in the second half, maybe we'll talk a little about how this might affect you and your background. Welcome to the show, Steve. Oh, thanks, Amy. I think first of all, for listeners who, now there can't be very many of them, but for the folks who aren't familiar with you, <laughs> what dogs and cats share your life in your home, Steve? Well, how familiar do you want them to be? Uh, <laughs> we have a dog, a dog uh, sitting by my side who is from uh, the pound, uh, brought in and never should have been born, which actually has a great deal to do with our topic. There are still dogs like that. I mean, she was brought in literally, uh, it's one of our two dogs. Our other dog's name is Lucy. This dog's name is Ethel. We have a, a kitty cat uh, also and a lizard, a blue-tongued skink. But this dog chewing uh, her uh, little hoof at the moment uh, <laughs> never should have been born. Uh, she was brought into animal control, city of Chicago in a box, a, a box filled with her litter mates, coughing, worm-infested, flea-infested, puppies and i i have no idea where they came from no idea who the mom dad is they were just left there we fell in love with her because of the way she looked and i went in and i thought you know we're not going to get a puppy and my wife and i kept saying that all the way there and of course on the way home we have a puppy uh that's how sometimes it works and we adore her we love her 
But as I said, she never should have been born. And if the owner of whoever, if, if this even was an own dog who was responsible, the mom should have been spayed. Uh, I mean, dogs like this just shouldn't happen like that. Luckily, because she was a puppy, uh, most puppies, at least in Chicago where I live, are adopted out. Uh, but that's not the case everywhere, and it's it's un- uh, an unfortunate circumstance. I mean, we do have too many dogs in this country. Moreover, here's the real problem: we have too many cats, and and the overpopulate overpopulation issue is in fact more of a cat problem than a dog problem. Yeah, Hmm? actually, I mean, I have a little cat that probably should not have been born. And, I mean, aside from species, I think uh, she, Saren, shares Ethel's history there. I mean, she was a little dumped kitten, and I'm sure somebody decided that, oh, somebody surely will adopt this little thing and dumped her outside. And I was very fortunate to find her, and I adore her, but she should not have been born, and her mama should have been spayed. Yeah, and you know, her daddy and, should have been fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'm sure you're in the same place. I mean, we we absolutely, uh, and I, I know I absolutely endorse spay neuter. I I talk, I host radio shows too, as you mentioned. I talk about it on the radio. I write about it in in my newspaper columns and other venues, and I. Uh, walk the walk, so to speak, on the board of a shelter that I'm on the board of and in my various other endeavors uh, and have for years, uh, even before it was a popular thing necessarily to do, to endorse spay-neuter. It's not only a population control issue, but broadly speaking, it benefits the health of pets. So I want spay-neuter. Here's the problem with the mandated. Here are the problems, plural, with the mandated spay-neuter. You know, there are a whole lot of people, Amy, that have what they feel are responsible reasons in their own minds, explanations that make sense to them as to why they don't spay-neuter. Now, some of those are very personal. Sometimes it's uh, maybe a religious objection. I've heard from a a group of religious Jewish folks that say that they're against sterilization, period. There are some Catholics, religious Catholics, who say, well... You know, we don't practice birth control for ourselves. The pets are members of the family, like, well, we care about them, we love them, but we're not going to do that to them. We don't religious, for religious reasons, we don't feel it's right. Uh, there are people that have other objections. Uh, the, the, some don't at all make any sense to me. A man is a man, and you might <laughs> say a female dog, but you're not going to touch his you-know-what on his you-know-where if he's a guy. Uh, there, there are a whole assortment of reasons. Uh, one is finances, and in Chicago, that's no excuse because we have options for people. That's not the case everywhere in the country. There are a whole long list of reasons that people have. Lots of those people are not, by my definition, responsible pet owners, but lots of them are. And if we had mandatory spay-neuter, that person who says, for whatever objection that person has for not spaying or neutering that I may personally disagree with. They at least go to the veterinarian at the moment. They get good care for their animals. They love their dogs or their cats. I'm worried that if the veterinarians are told they need to tell clients that they must spay neuter. Now, due to Veterinary Practice Acts, veterinarians' bottom line can do what they want based on the decision the client makes with them. But nevertheless, the client may feel intimidated when the veterinarian says, now, you really kind of have to do it, it's the law. Might that person not visit the veterinarian for fear that 
they'll be told that in the first place. And if that occurs, and I think it can, then rabies vaccines go down, and that's a public health threat. I mean, that's a, right. you know, we think about rabies, we think about the old movies, you know, with the wolf man and going around in the middle of the night in London in the 1700s, and you hear rabies, 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 whisper people, people whisper. But, but it's, it's something we should be screaming about, not whispering about, and people, with one exception in the history of the world, uh, apparently, they, don't, they just don't recover from that. It's a public right. health issue, and of course it's a health risk for, for animals who get it, uh, so rabies is a huge issue, and if these dogs aren't vaccinated for that and other needed vaccines, as well as general health and wellness care, then to me that overrides everything else. But there are more issues than that. Uh, to me, spay-neuter, bottom line, is a uh, veterinary issue. That's something that I agree with totally, that spay-neuter does so much good, but it is a medical it is a medical thing that you agree to or you don't agree to on the advice of your veterinarian. And to, for legislation to interfere with a medical procedure just to smacks of big brotherism. I agree with that. I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, and in addition to that, the practical implications of how does that work. You go to, I mean, there's new data out. In fact, a lot of it just this past year. Uh, and, and you go to the veterinarian, and let's say you have, uh, now the Chicago ordinance, and many read, you must beta your, or neuter your pets by six months. So you go to the veterinarian, and you have a great Dane dog. And the veterinarian knows about the new data that's out that indicates great Danes that are early spayed neutered before six months, even before a year, are more likely to have bone cancer called osteosarcoma. Now, the veterinarian knows that, tells the client that, but the client says, oh, my gosh, my dog's five months old. How are we going to do this? Well, how are right. they going to do that? Uh, and, and in that waiting period, you know, the veterinarian should, didn't go to medical school. They have to report to public officials and explain to public officials why they choose to do or not do a procedure. And in uh, most cities, here's what we know. Uh, rabies vaccine compliance is the law. It's the law in all 50 states. So no matter where you live, it's a law to have a rabies vaccine for your dog or cat. The percent of dogs and cats that have rabies vaccines are well under 50%, and in many places in the country, well under 25 or 30%. Uh, dog licenses in most communities are, are a local ordinance. Uh, the uh, people that do that, well, maybe about 15, 20% tops in most communities. They're both laws. It is not a law currently to spay or neuter. Fact of the matter is, most indoor cats, and I do mean most, we're talking about 80% or so, give or take, are spayed or neutered. Uh, the number of dogs that are spayed or neutered is over 60%. The public is getting it. They're beginning to do it. And I don't know that mandating those who have objections to them that make sense are going to do, is going to do any good. I don't believe you can mandate culture. In fact, it can do, in my view, more harm than good. And the irresponsible dog owners, the ones we all want to get after, and who these ordinances are, are greatly geared to, uh, those are the uh, gang members. Those are the people that have dogs just tied up in their backyards. I don't know why if they don't pay attention to all these other laws that are on the books already, 
and in many places can't be enforced for a variety of reasons, why these folks would suddenly say, well, now I'm going to pay attention to this law. And then the next thing, I mention the word enforcement. How the heck do communities enforce this? In most cities, there are already a litany of laws available, including, I just mentioned, rabies. How many police officers stop dog owners on the street or animal control officers and say, do you have your rabies tags? They could, but they don't. So are they going to stop dogs on the street and lift them up by their tails to see if their parts are there? I'm thinking your average police officer has better things to do. And in communities that say, well, we're not going to do that, we're going to have tags that indicate if they're spay-neutered, well, it's another layer of government that actually is going to cost money and not necessarily save money for cats. I have no clue. It's, I mean, do people go door-to-door for indoor cats to see if they're spayed or neutered, and for indoor-outdoor cats, you don't know. Unfortunately, they, I wish they did have collars and, and wore, wore tags that indicated who owned them, but they don't. Uh, and they're not even greatly microchipped, which we're trying to change. But nevertheless, they're not. There's no way to know who, who owns these cats. Therefore, you're taking away, if they, if they take these cats away to animal control, maybe an owned cat, I, I just don't, that just messes things up altogether. I, I just don't see how, for cats in particularly, there's any possibility of enforcement. And the part that is about overpopulation, there are two reasons for these laws. One is that they feel it controls dangerous dogs, which I could address in a second. But the other is for overpopulation control of dogs and cats. And the reality is it varies from community to community, but in most communities, the overpopulation problem, while it does exist in dogs, and too many dogs are still euthanized, it's really cats. And, and these laws about mandatory spay-neuter are dog-centric and really don't uh, address the issue uh, as to too many cats being out there that are in shelters. I wish it did. It doesn't at all. And that's why organizations like Alley Cat Allies and right. that's an organization that supports what's called trap, neuter, return. If any organization said that we would want mandatory spay, neuter, if it, if it really would work and control populations, that's one organization that would. In fact, they say that uh, trap, neuter, return is uh, counterintuitive to uh, mandatory spay, neuter. They kind of work against one another in some ways. Uh, it's actually making a situation worse. We're getting into this uh, greatly. I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation very much, but we need to take a break, and we'll be back and find out a little bit more about what's on Steve's mind, what's happening in Chicago, and maybe what's going to affect you down the road with messages from these sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. 
For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Fluff your feather, roll out your tongue, shine your fins, snap on your leashes, and grab your human. It's the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo. Two full days of pet-tastic fun that no pet lover should miss. Join us for shopping, the Barks and Couture Fashion Show, Dream Pet Wedding, Ultimate Pet Makeover, Pet Communicator, Rescue Me Pet Adoption, Service Dog Demonstration, and tons of fun contests. Bring your pets and join us at the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo, Saturday, September 27th, and Sunday, September 28th, at the Kentucky Expo Center. For more information, go to LouisvillePetExpo.com. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio. Horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back and we're again speaking with Steve Dale, who is a certified animal behavior consultant, a radio show host, and he's a regular speaker at veterinary and humane conferences. Now, Steve is known for tackling controversial subjects and then rolling up your sleeves and actually working to make some changes. Sometimes the messenger gets pounded and not in a nice way, so I'm really glad that Steve's taken the opportunity to to talk a little bit about what's happening across the country, what's happening in his backyard, and, and maybe some ideas about how we can make a difference in our own community. We were, before the break, Steve, we were talking about alley cat allies and, and how some of these spay-neuter ordinances may actually be contrary to the feral cat issue. Do you want to continue yeah. on that? Yeah. We have, unfortunately, as many or about approximately nobody knows, but uh, too many unowned feral stray cats out there, uh, and maybe as many as there are owned cats. And we have, if I'm thinking about right, 90 million owned cats in America. So that's a lot of cats out there that don't have homes. We have to deal with that in a humane way, I think, and I think we do if we're doing trap-neuter return. And what that does is the uh, stray or feral cats are trapped by hopefully a caretaker that watches over a colony, if it's a colony, and sometimes it can be only one cat. Uh, It is trapped. It is neutered, spayed or neutered. Uh, it is vaccinated for rabies because that's the law. It may or may not be wormed. It may or may not have a cursory physical examination. If that cat is found to be very ill, the cat is humanely euthanized. If that cat is, in fact, a little kitten or a friendly cat, that cat is adopted out, which is the, the very good news. And if not, that cat is ear-notched, so the cat is identified, then returned to the place where it was originally, uh, which may be the colony it lives with, or it might be just out in any yard somewhere, 
and then uh, maybe supplemented with food, kind of watched over by the caretakers, make sure they're not abused, which actually, sadly, does happen to some of these cats, and then they live out their lives, and they cannot reproduce anymore. The numbers dwindle. And trap neuter return does seem to work. At least it's the best idea so far that anyone has had to control those populations. Let's give it a chance to work. And doing something that is counter to that, to me, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, the, what, what public officials are also going after in most communities where they want mandatory spay-neuter isn't only they suggest controlling population and really controlling dollars. I mean, they're after saving money, and they feel but, that by doing less euthanasia in animal control facilities, they would save money. And, in fact, if they were right, they probably would. The problem is the enforcement of this costs money. Uh, and is it really going to save lives? And the models out there in the few cities that have done this have shown varying results. Some say it's worked, and some say it clearly has not worked. And in a big city, it really hasn't been up and running for any period of time yet for us to look at it to determine if it's worked or not. Most of the people I'm talking to and most of the national experts that I know say, we wish it worked, but it doesn't, and in fact, it can do more harm than good. We should be doing some other things instead. Well, Steve, so overpopulate, what, what overpo- overpopulation and, and dollars are one reason why public officials do it. The other is they feel it can control dangerous dogs. Well, Steve, I wanted to ask you, what are the humane organizations having to say? Is there any sort of a consensus out there? Well, the only one that likes the idea is the Humane Society of the United States, as far as I know. Um, and, and they've been working actively in some places to do this. I do want to quickly get in about the dangerous dogs, because the assertion is, and I'm a behavior consultant, and, I, and, and you are too, Amy, and, you know, I can tell you, that hormones do matter. And the first thing that I say if someone has a dog that is being, quote, aggressive, is, well, is that dog, spayed, is that dog neutered more than spayed? Because it's right. most often the thinking was it's, it's male dogs. Well, in fact, uh, many dog bites, if not the uh, majority, are unspayed, unaltered female dogs. I mean, altered female dogs, spayed female dogs. I'll say that right. again. It seems that new research has shown that spayed female dogs. Uh, the serious dog bites historically have come from unaltered males, however. There's no question about that. Hormones do matter. But they're going after a certain population of people. And we also know this about those dangerous dogs. They've all had warnings that they've given their families, if they have a family. The family may not be a family, but rather gang members in some cases. But they, they've all presented warnings that either the family has done nothing about or that local officials in some cases have done nothing about. The dog has attacked someone, but the dog is still there and, and shouldn't be there. It's like that stop sign that we all say in the neighborhood ought to go up and, and still has, has not gone up until something really bad happens. Also, being unaltered, it doesn't make them inherently aggressive necessarily, but not being socialized does, and it seems that certain population of people is more likely not to socialize their dogs. Uh, also, <laughs> dogs being dogs... And may I say, people being people who are not <clears throat> neutered uh, might wander <laughs> looking for a hot babe. And, and there is more propensity for these dogs to get off the property uh, to do just that and not being supervised by a human being. Well, more things are likely to happen. So there are other explanations and not only the fact that dogs matter. But take a two-year-old dog or a three- or four- or five-year-old dog 
and and you take the hormones away, you neuter the dog, and that dog is an aggressive dog, are you going to make a change in that dog just by doing that? And for this population, again, that solely the public officials seem to be after, uh, are they going to do what's needed next? The, the taking the hormones away from a two-year-old dog that's already aggressive, yes, that has some impact. But you absolutely need to go to a dog training class and or have a veterinary behaviorist or a dog behavior consultant uh, work with the owner or owners of that animal, uh, which might even include psychopharmaceutical drugs. I'm thinking that population, these gang members, are not buying Prozac for their pets. It just doesn't effectively deal with dangerous dogs in most places, including where I live. There are other laws on the books to do that. We need to use them. That's my question, Steve. I mean, we're, it seems that the spay-neuter ordinances are looking for a Band-Aid solution when they are not actively using the medication that's already out there, the laws that are on the books. It's like you talked about having that stop sign or not having a stop sign where it's needed. Well, I think we have stop signs in place for dangerous dogs, but people are driving right through the intersection anyway. <laughs> well put, and I agree with you. I think, again, it varies from community to community, and some communities don't have very effective laws for dangerous dogs, but then I think they ought to have, and, and that's doable. But I don't think that broadly including everyone into this umbrella of mandatory spay-neuter is a doable thing, uh, in that I don't think people will comply. It's not ab- absolutely not, and for sure for cats, an, an enforceable thing. They say communities, it will be complaint-driven, but right now, if I complain about a barking dog in most cities, including the one I live in, it'll take days, if not weeks, for an animal control officer to come out because of understaffing. So unless they increase staffs, which is not in the game plan here or in other places generally, how will it possibly be enforced? And as far as saving money... Well, it turns out Chicago and some of the other cities looking at mandatory spay-neuter are up for what's called Maddie's funding. Maddie's is a uh, private fund that was organized several years ago that has money into the multi-millions of dollars to incentivize spay-neuter and adoptions in communities. And they will not work with their spay-neuter portion of this. That component goes away for any community, and that's around 40%. So to a city like Chicago, we're talking, I don't know, 12, 14, 16, 18, I don't know, million dollars. New York got 19 million. They got the whole chunk. If this were to pass here, this law, or in any community, 40% of that goes away just like that. So it actually is potentially taking money away that would encourage people to spay neuter, which is how I like to think people are more motivated to do things rather than to mandate. And it's a mandate that cannot be enforced. At least if you get a traffic ticket, then maybe someone will come and boot your car if you don't pay the ticket, but there's no one to come and boot the dog. I mean, the cities just don't have personnel to follow up to do that. And as far as cats, as I mentioned, once again, this doesn't address what is really the overpopulation issue isn't as much dogs as, as it is cats. Well, and I know that when I spoke with Joan Miller of Cat Fanciers Association, we talked about this whole thing where at that time a lot of the ordinances were being designed specifically for dogs and ignoring some of the issues that were very cat-centric, in particular with the breeding 
population and the of the responsible breeders, the people that are doing the the cat show breeding and the dog show breeding, where they were mandating they be spayed or neutered by a particular age when. Uh, you know, with with kitty cats, they may not even know if they're going to be a show prospect until they're a little bit older. So I agree with you. Uh, the show cats mm-hmm. and the show dogs even are, are you know a minuscule percent of the total. Very pets. much. But mm-hmm. but then they're not doing anything. The good breeders are a part of the solution. They're not a part of the problem. Uh, they're the ones already ki- doing the right stuff. Sure. Right, right. Responsible cat and dog breeders. Uh, mandate that their animal, if any reason it has to be given up, is given up to them and not a shelter. They mandate spay or neuter in their contracts. They do good. And and their uh, pedigree pets, I mean, I have had in my life, I have a pedigree cat now, you know. I mean, she does no harm, this cat. And, <laughs> and, in, and in fact, uh, the breeder where she came from, responsible breeder, and is, is, is doing good. I don't know why. Uh, that the responsible breeders have to pay a price for the reckless, I don't even want to use the word breeders, the people putting two dogs together for no good reason. There are very few people that do that with cats. The cat issue is actually altogether different. It's, it's one cat that's not altered, meeting another that's not altered. They're already outdoors, and our trap new to return programs are, are beginning to address that. Having said that, if we have a better way uh, to deal with the cat issues, I'm all about it. I, I just don't think that this will work. What are some alternatives? Uh, what can people do in their own communities if, if the communities, the, the politicians come up with these ideas? and they, how, how can they address these? Do you have a website, any information we can send people to, to to get some help and figure out how they can be active in their own communities? Well, I, I don't have a magical answer to oh, that. Steve, uh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> well, I can say that being involved really does matter. I mean, local officials who you elect uh, do listen to you. So if you live in a community where uh, they are considering mandatory spay-neuter, and there are lots of communities around the country that are considering this, uh, no matter how you feel, actually, uh, pro or con, contact your public official uh, and and tell him or her how you feel, if you have some expertise or special interest uh, in companion animals, it might make your view somewhat more valuable. But what makes it more valuable than anything is that you're a voter in that ward or in that community where, where you live. So I, I think that that's most important. Uh, even, even better, though, would be to get involved and do that before anything happens. You know, before the proposed law occurs, make sure that you do have dangerous dog laws on the books. If you don't have TNR, Trap New to Return, I can give you a website. That's the Alley Cat Alley's website. And, and go there uh, for further information if you need help about how to begin to do that. Because finding solutions to these things are important. I'm, I'm not suggesting we don't need to spay neuter, and I'm ab- absolutely not. And I'm not suggesting that there isn't some overpopulation problem concerning dangerous dogs. I rarely hear about cats attacking people on the street. So, again, this is a dog-centric thing in part. But as far as dangerous dogs, there ought to be dog laws on the books that uh, hold owners responsible for their dogs. And I wrote a law in Chicago, for example, that was popular at the time, this kind of thinking, the three strikes you're out, you know. Uh, The dog is given a chance, then the dog is given another chance, then the dog is given a third chance, and then the dog may be dangerous. We don't do that anymore. It's now one strike and you're out. A dog attacks, the dog 
so owners could still say, no, no, this, we had an ex- have an explanation for this. The dog was taunted or, or the dog was ill. I mean, there's still an opportunity to argue and say, no, this dog really isn't dangerous. But animal control officers and the executive director of animal control can say, but we don't need three times. One is enough. Uh, if you know there's a dangerous dog where you live, do something about it because so often what happens is the people don't and then something really bad, bad, bad happens. And when that happens, politicians feel they need to respond, and sometimes they respond in what I personally believe is in a knee-jerk manner. Absolutely. Well, we are out of time, but I want to really? say, like, yeah, we're out of time, Steve. It's been a <laughs> And what did really I say at the beginning fast. of all this here, Amy? I said, you know, I'm hesitant to do, and really, this shows my trust in you. I'm, I, I really have been hesitant to do some of these interviews. I talk about it on my own radio show where I know I have control, but I've been hesitant to do some of this just because this is such a contentious issue, and it does bother me greatly that the animal welfare community the rescue community, the breeders, and a whole group of other people, anyone and everyone who cares about animals is so divided about any topic, and then that divides all of us to do what we all want to do, and that is do the best we can for animals. Absolutely, and I, I applaud that Steve is willing to, to take a stand and, and become a, a moving target, hopefully. Uh, that, <laughs> That's uh, about people right. Gonna, but, uh, I keep moving, people, Amy. <laughs> I know you do. And I thank you so much, Steve, for taking the time, and I thank our producers for making Pet Peeves possible. Now, Thank you, producers. I dare everybody to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio when we will be talking about animal communicators, the real deal, or charlatans. I'd like you to email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo if you have any ideas about future shows. And you can get behavior and care tips in my free Pet Peeves newsletter coming soon from Shojai.com. Woofs and purrs until next time, and if you have a pet overpopulation problem or a dangerous dog problem in your community, educate yourselves about ways you can help with pets in your community in a responsible way that also protects the rights of all dog and cat lovers and the animals they love. Now give your furry wonders a pat for me because I don't want them to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.